Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go. Find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do. With status post adulting hey status post adulting family and happy tuesday this is sammy and michelle and you're listening to the 29th episode of status post adulting where we're going to be talking about the 80 20 principle but first let me check in with my co-host michelle how are you doing michelle i'm doing great sammy how are you i am doing well fairly well we are having a little issue at the home you're right sammy Our parents noticed that the upstairs bathroom was leaking, and they noticed this because it was leaking into the bottom floor. Yes. The upstairs bathroom is leaking, and it is leaking into the living room, which we only noticed because my dad decided to go lay on the floor, and his head got wet because there was a puddle on the carpet. Ugh. Yes. Ick is what most people would say when they find out that their head is in a puddle and it turns out that that puddle originates from the toilet. However, we have a very optimistic family and this was definitely not seen as a negative. Our dad was so grateful that he decided to lay on the carpet, which he never does, because only because of that did we discover this leak. So grateful that honestly it was considered a divine recommendation in our household. (laughs) yeah sammy we went to go talk to our parents and they were like wow god (laughs) our mom was saying your dad never lies on the floor and for some reason god decided to have him do that today he felt hot he decided to put his head down on the floor and lay down for a minute and then realized (laughs) that was the only way that we were able to catch that the toilet was leaking upstairs People say Michelle and I are positive people, and this is why, people. I would never be happy about finding that my entire head (laughs) was placed into a puddle of poop water. (laughs) But in this family, that is not just okay, but a blessing. Little did you know that just in the intro of our podcast today, you would get a little tidbit of living a better life. There is always a silver lining and a positive outlook. So true, Michelle. So true. And speaking of outlooks, one thing that has helped me change my outlook on pretty much everything that I do is the 80-20 principle. Yes, Sammy. The 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle, originally, it goes by many names. The idea behind it is that 80% of output comes from 20% of input. It's a simple idea. But one of the key things is that it's not necessarily intuitive. A lot of times we assume in our work, in nature, in anything that we do, that 50% of the result will come from 50% of the work, that it will be an equal distribution or at least a somewhat equal distribution. The reality is, is that it's heavily imbalanced. In this case, simplified to 80% coming from 20%. Absolutely, Michelle. A gentleman named Richard Koch wrote a book called The 8020 Principle, where he discusses 
Pareto's principle in detail. And he first talks about how Pareto first noticed this 80-20 pattern. And it was in the distribution of wealth among the population. He noticed that 20% of the people held 80% of the wealth. And not just that, as you went down to 10, 5, 1%, those top percentage of people, the 1%, held exponentially more than even 5 or 10% of the people. And the interesting thing was, once he started comparing this to other countries, other populations, he found this ratio play out over and over again. And in his book, Richard Koch talks about how this can even be spread out to other things other than finance, that this ratio or similar ratios play out. Exactly, Sammy. And I don't think that's surprising to anyone who spends any time on Instagram or Twitter where you constantly see people saying things like, Jeff Bezos holds more wealth than all Americans combined or something along those lines. I feel like that's like a very trendy thing to say these days, but people realized this a long time ago. The interesting thing about the 80-20 principle and when I first heard about it is realizing how much it can apply to different parts of your life. And if you understand the 80-20 principle, how much more efficiently you can live because you know where to spend more of your time and where to decrease places that you might be spending a lot of time and actually not doing much to improve your overall well-being. Without a doubt, Michelle. For me, a big place I saw this was my closet. As you may know from previous episode, I am a minimalist. When I first was cleaning out my closet, I noticed that I only wore a fraction of the clothes and I got rid of that other 80%, which significantly decreased my decision fatigue when picking out clothes. But even with a smaller closet, I can still see that 20% of those clothes after being cut are really the clothes that I actually wear. It's just interesting to see that ratio play out over and over again. Clothing is a good example, Sammy. I often joke that I wear the same dress to every wedding, which is great because, especially for women, formal wear can be so expensive. And yet, I only go to a wedding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, post pandemic <laughs> times a year. Why would I constantly waste space in my closet and spend a ton of money on an outfit that I literally wear just once? Inadvertently, I was able to be really efficient about this because I'm not really doubling up on weddings with people so I can just wear the same dress every single time. Also, one of the benefits of not being on Instagram, nobody knows is that you're out there repeating. It even applies to language. 700 common words make up about two-thirds of our conversation. I can definitely see this as someone who is now speaking Spanish. Hi! I speak Spanish at work. And literally, I'm sure I only know a small fraction of the Spanish words, but I pretty much can understand a good portion of what people are saying. Unless they bring in a new word that I didn't know. For example, the word for tub, which I now know is Tina. Yeah. Rina, Dina, Tina. <laughs> My patient just kept saying this thing about the Tina, and I'm like, hold on. I will have to investigate this word before we can continue this conversation because it seems a little bit major. And yet, I have gone almost two years now speaking Spanish without ever knowing what a Tina was. I like that example, Sammy, because it shows that you can learn something and invest the time into becoming a Spanish speaker without actually having to undertake learning the whole Spanish language. For me, when I first learned about the 80-20 principle, it was in relation to the concept of sales, which time and time again, the truth is, is that 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your customers. 
This is important because when you start to look at how you're spending your time, you'll realize that 80% of your time is spent with people who are bringing in less than 20% of your revenue. It was so often when I was young in my career, I would get caught up trying to serve everyone equally and try to understand everybody's complaints. And at the end of the day, it was always the case that people who are spending the least amount of money were always trying to take the most amount of my time. And a lot of that is because they weren't investing the money, they weren't able to get the full benefit of the product. And what my managers would do to me and what I would do whenever I would talk to my peers, whenever we would talk about different clients, is if they had an issue that was getting complicated, we asked, like, how much is this client spending? Because you're spending a lot of time talking about this client and trying to fix their problem, when in reality, that's not proportional to how important they are in your book of business. It sounds cold, but we only have a limited amount of time in our day. Also, they tend to be the rudest, in my opinion. That's so true, Michelle. I definitely would say that 20% of my patients take up 80% of my time. However, I guess fortunately for them, that's not how I'm paid, so <laughs> that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but it is true. The vast majority of patients don't take a lot of time and can be quickly seen and their problems quickly resolved, whereas the small minority of the 20% of patients may take up a large percentage of my time. I can totally see that, Sammy. Once you start to think about it and start to apply this principle to different parts of your life, you will start to see that your input and output are not directly proportional. So in my example, if I have 100 clients, I might think that each of those clients is bringing in about one one hundredth of my revenue. And what I actually saw was that my top 10 spenders were heavily weighted in my book of business. And so it taught me where I need to spend my time. It's funny because when you say it like that, I think that probably the visits should be done like the old school taxi cabs are, where you get in there and the clock starts, you see the <laughs> amount, the fare accumulating. So that way people know, you know, if they're coming in for five complaints, we're charging for five complaints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, healthcare is definitely more kinder than things like sales. So the 80-20 principle makes sense if you have a business and you can be more efficient there. Even in your day-to-day -day work, if you're not measured by a specific metric like Sammy and I are, you can still probably see that if you are working 40 hours a week, chances are most of your output is coming from 20% of those hours, not necessarily the rest of the 80%. And Michelle, I think that's also true for the different interventions that we put into our lives. For example, with finances, I do think that if you start tracking your spending, that's going to result in 80% of the changes that you need by doing that one little activity. Of course, you could read all the finance books and listen to all the finance podcasts. But realistically, if you track your spending, you're probably going to make a majority of the changes that you need to make. What's more, Sammy, if you track your spending, what I saw is that 80% of my spending is typically going to one or two categories. This is where a lot of the criticism comes from, the idea of cutting the lattes that you're drinking, quote unquote. The criticism is that 80% of the money you're spending is probably going towards rent, a car, or big ticket bill items like that. So if you're able to reduce those things, that's going to have a much bigger impact than cutting out lattes. Unless you have a coffee addiction like me, in which case maybe cutting out lattes isn't the key. In all seriousness, though, when I look at my spending, 
a couple of years ago, I used to order food every single day. I would spend so much money on ordering food. If I was better about tracking my spending at that point, I definitely could have reevaluated. Okay, I'm spending so much of my money on food. Is this really aligning with my values? And are these meals that I'm purchasing and having delivered to me actually bringing me that much more joy? Sometimes yes, but a lot of times no. A lot of times I was just lazy. I had gotten the habit of not cooking and that was the reason that I wasn't doing it. When I moved to Austin, I was able to naturally change that because I lived by myself, had a pretty big kitchen, and had more time to focus and learn how to cook. And my expenses in comparison for food were so much less. On the flip side, I hear some people talk about how much money they spend on food, but then when they track their spendings, they're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm spending so much money on eating out, but actually I'm spending a lot of money on my colposcopy. Personal problems. (laughs) But I do think that... When you look at your overall spending, like your whole budget, a lot of times it is those big ticket items like rent or your transportation that are actually costing you the most. And yes, oftentimes those are the most tricky to change. But I will say that investing some time and energy into figuring out how to change those can be huge. As an example, Michelle and I are both currently living at home. I know, we're grown 30 plus women living at home. But truthfully, realistically, this is going to be a life decision that probably will exponentially increase my wealth, my sister's wealth, and ultimately help our whole family. Without looking at your finances and seeing where that 80% is going, I don't think I would have necessarily made that decision. When you see the numbers laid out, you're like, well, that would make a huge difference. And it's easier to make those kind of choices. Yeah, that's a good point, Sammy. Even when we started thinking about this, we realized that we live in a high cost of living place. That was one of the reasons that you convinced me to move to Austin without you Uh, (laughs) and then abandoned me and decided to move home instead. And then a pandemic started and then now I'm alone. And then I ended up moving back home and now I'm saving money on rent. But Sammy, the point you make is actually really true because when I was making changes in my life and really evaluating whether or not I should move back home for a little bit, it was glaringly obvious that was the best change to make in my life, even if I did it for a year or so. And things like the pandemic made me realize too how much nicer it'd be to spend time with my parents and be able to invest a little bit more time with them as well. It's so true, Michelle. And we can even see this play out in relationships. We spend 80% of our time with 20% or even less of our friends. On the flip side, maybe 80% of our stressors related to relationships come from 20% of the people. Knowing the 80-20 rule helps you decide where you're going to invest your time. I mean, Sammy, that's why the five people you surround yourself with, check out our previous episode, matter so much because... I mean, those are the five people that you're spending the most amount of time with, and those people are going to end up having the most influence on your life. So in thinking about takeaways from this episode, Michelle and I realized the takeaway is we're doing a lot of crap that doesn't matter. (laughs) Just kidding. Not kidding. Not completely kidding. No, it's true, Sammy. Back to the basis of this concept is roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes. That's the Pareto principle. And you can go a little crazy when you realize that starting to apply this to every portion of your life. You're like 80% of my calories are coming from 20% of my meals. 80% of my stress is coming from 20% of my friends. You start to, you can go a little crazy having fun applying this to different points of your life because you will see that the argument that they're making here is that nothing in the universe is balanced. We do expect it to be 50-50, but it tends to be 80-20, 90-10, 99-1. 
And if you are able to identify what you like, what your values are, you can invest in those things and put more time, energy, and money behind them because those things will have a greater output in your life. Exactly, Michelle. And I think another thing is that small changes can make big differences in our lives. For example, spending five minutes to run every morning or meditating for 10 minutes a day. Those things barely take any time, but they can make a huge impact on the rest of our day. Yes, Amy. If you spend 20 minutes to listen to your favorite Status Post Adulting podcast every Tuesday morning, we're hoping that that can have an 80% improvement in different parts of your life. And if you write us a review, we will love you 80% more than the other <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Seriously, though. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps us. But also, if you do want to contact us, feel free to send us a direct message at statuspostadulting on Instagram. Feel free to email us statuspostadulting at gmail.com. And you can always find our show notes on statuspostadulting.com. We do really appreciate that you do spend time with us to listen to our podcast, to give us feedback, the texts, the messages, the emails, they mean so much to us. And so we really, really are grateful for all of you. That is so true, Michelle. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.